little babies. Richard? Raymond? How are you? I'm good. Good. Ladies? William? I always... I don't know if Zoom... He's here. It says he's here. Yeah. I hear you knocking, but I can't come in. Woo! Little Richard. R.I.P. R.I.P. So the guy played a p- Did he play a piano? Fuck yeah, man. Come on. Did he play the P? Is that what you said? How am I the bottom of the totem pole dumb? Little Richard, did he play the piano? <laughs> Fuck you, Bill. Get, fucking, get cultured, Bill, you fucking idiot. Oh, God. I just. <laughs> I hear you not get Oh, here we go. Okay. You're a genius. I don't care what Bill says about you. You're a fucking genius. I never I said you were dumb. Artist man alive. <laughs> <laughs> That's a happy good one, right? Mm-hmm. Or Billy yeah, Madison. Billy Madison. I'm the smartest man alive. Bob Sosie. Bob Sosie, hey, nice to see you. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm Look doing that. great. Thanks. Look at that library. Yeah, yeah, really excellent connection, too. Well done. I, I, I hope it stays that way. Great. Can you, you can hear me okay? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Okay, awesome. You're a radio guy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, well, welcome to the Civil Minds Sports Show. Uh, special edition here with us today is Bob Sosi, the voice of the New England Patriots. Uh, welcome, Bob. Thanks for ha- thanks for joining us. Richard, great to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to kick it over to uh, to Ray to kind of kick things off, and uh, yeah, we'll have some fun. Awesome. So uh, take it over for the legend, Gil Santos, in 2013. What was your approach to fill his shoes? You know, it's funny, Gil had listened to some of my work a few years before that and he was very complimentary he had some criticisms some very valid criticisms that i took to heart so there had been some interaction with him and then when i got the job uh, i called him or he called me i think right before the first uh, preseason game against philadelphia and he gave me a great piece of advice he said look he said you know go in do do it your way be yourself don't try to be like me and he said just remember, there will be people who don't like the way you do it because it's not the way I did it. But don't forget, there will be people who like the way you do it because it's not the way I did it. <laughs> and yep. then the only other advice he gave me, he said, tell Zolak to shut up. <laughs> but uh, So we're uh, still was, working on that one then, yeah? Yeah, so, you know, the first interaction with him, uh, and it was while I was calling Navy games, and it was shortly after my wife and I had moved to the Boston area while I was still working at the Naval Academy. My wife is from the Boston area and we got engaged and got married here locally in Milton. And we moved and I was commuting back and forth, trying to knock on doors at the same time. So I was calling Navy football and doing college basketball, mostly in the mid-Atlantic. And at the same time, reaching out to people locally here. And it was about the time the sports hub launched. So I asked Gil to listen to a CD of my football work. And the fact that he liked enough of it to, number one, make me feel good about myself also gave me confidence a few years later when I was hired by 98.5 that, you know, I could do this because it had the seal of approval from 
the greatest ever. I mean, he is yeah. still the voice of the yeah, yeah. Hall of Famer. My my first experience really on the Patriots that summer was the night of the Hall of Fame ceremony. So nobody really knows who I am, and I'm attending the <laughs> Hall of Fame ceremony, and I'm looking up at on stage, and there's Gil Santos in the red jacket going in as one of the two Hall of Famers for the Patriots, not as a broadcaster, yeah. but as a Hall of Fame contributor. Yeah, yeah, pretty amazing, yeah. pretty daunting. Was uh, football always the way you wanted to go for broadcasting? Because I know you played baseball in high school and, and you did Paw Sox games in the World Series year of 2013. Was it always football? Yeah, well, you know, I always thought baseball was probably my best sport. It was certainly the sport I played the best. I played high school baseball for a really good program, one of the largest schools in, in the middle of New York State. We were state champion my senior year, and, and I tried to play the fall of my freshman year of college. But I started working in pro baseball about that time, too. I had an internship with the Cincinnati Reds. And then I got into broadcasting on the minor league baseball path and made a lot of contacts in that field and started to move up in baseball. And I always thought, at, you know, at that point in time, that baseball would be my road to the so-called big leagues. And I thought I was going to get there uh, back in uh, the early to mid-2000s, around 2004, 2005. I got a sniff of the big league team, and it didn't come to fruition. Mm -hmm. By that time, I had started calling Navy football, and I really fell in love with that. And I decided, you know, in particular, after I didn't get to the majors right away while I was broadcasting at the AAA level, I was in Albuquerque in the Pacific Coast League. Isotopes. The isotopes, yes, sir. The the, the voice of the topes. Uh, And uh, they would play at a beautiful stadium. The the players called it the uh, lab. And uh, so they, they somewhat, uh, uh, you know, tongue in cheek, I said, should say, <laughs> referred to the fans, especially some of the more, more boisterous fans as the lab rats. Yeah. So um, Bill gets it. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> Bill's a fake best fake scientist, but he's also a, uh, a baseball weird facts savant. So I love it. I love you, it. I love good. baseball. You should work for the isotopes, Bill. <laughs> you should go to an isotopes game, like a real isotopes game, not the Springfield ice. Not allowed across state lines. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know, I, I didn't know I'd be interacting with uh, a fugitive here. <laughs> alleged, alleged, allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> no, no I, I'm not going to blow your cover here. I do want to get out there. I mean, I like minor league i believe it or not i like i do like minor league baseball games i think it's the atmosphere is more like fan friendly and i like to see the young long young prospects i live up here in new hampshire manchester so i try to every time portland's up here i try to jump on it for the red Sox. so i mean i think it's a little more fun and you know beers are a little bit cheaper sometimes in minor leagues we got a baseball bat beer now over here perfect yeah you don't have thirsty thursday at fenway park that's right i was just there a few weeks ago it cost me like a hundred dollars in drinking yeah, this is ridiculous. You, you can have a lot more to drink for a lot less than in a lot of minor league cities. That's and I can cool. Uber home. You can Uber home, exactly. <laughs> Fisher Cat alum right here. I, I was pouring beers uh, yeah, in college. Bob, you know, how? You know, that was that was the path I started on, and then it just turned out the, the door opened in football. How, do, how much did you do for your voice to get to the – like, did you actually – I've always wanted to ask this to announcers – I'm a music guy, vocal guy. So it's, it's struck a chord with me. Did you like sit down and kind of craft your voice and your cadence or was it just, were you talking like this as a six-year-old in like elementary school? <laughs> it's funny. Say, I, I, I imitated the broadcasters that I listened to when I started calling games initially, especially in baseball. 
I would imitate the broadcasters that I grew up with. I was a Mets fan initially, and Bob Murphy was the voice. Ew. Of <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I also liked I also liked Ned Martin. I used to watch a lot of Ned Martin and eventually Sean McDonough on TV 38 as well. So I, became, oh, I love Red McDonough. Sox, I became my American League team, but the Mets were my first love. And Bob Murphy was, uh, I believe, from Oklahoma. And uh, you can imagine this kid from Central New York trying to talk with the twang, you know, saying swing like Bob Murphy used to. And uh, <laughs> it really had this affected voice. And it took me a while to find my own voice, so to speak. I never took voice lessons until very late in my career. And I regret it now that I didn't. Uh, you, have, you have great pipes, by the way, Richard. Oh, thanks. But <laughs> it's I, and it, it's and mostly it, the equipment. It's, no, it's, 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 it's great. And, um, you know, I, I never thought about it. I always thought I had an adequate voice. I, I knew I didn't have the voice of someone like Gil, but I thought it was adequate. I thought, you know, I called a good game and that was what was important. As long as you sounded good and you, you could describe the action and, and you know, tell yeah. stories and be well-prepared, that that's all it took to be a good broadcaster. And I was knocking on doors, as I said, it was about that time when I was looking for a job locally. We're still, do, still doing games in the Mid-Atlantic. And I actually reached out to an agent. I thought, well, maybe my, you know, maybe I, I need to get an agent to try to get some more television work. Maybe, you know, my path should be doing regional sports television, try to get a job with one of those regional networks, like yeah. Nesson or, or at that, that point, Comcast New England. And I actually got turned down. This, this was a, one of the better agents in the business. And he was one of the few who actually took time to talk to me. And he, he mentioned that he thought my voice was too nasally. Hmm. which I did recognize particularly, you know, really showed itself in baseball in particular, but he also said, look, you're good. I, I, I would take you if you were younger, but I don't think that I can market you or I, you know, the, the, the networks that I, I work with would be interested in somebody of your age. Yeah. Because, you know, it, it's not like they, they look at you as somebody who's young and they, they we could work the voice issue. Interesting. Out. Yeah. So he recommended a couple <clears throat> of books and then he also said, look, you're in Boston. There have to be a million voice coaches there. He said, nobody in, our, in, in the business, nobody ever thinks about the instrument they use. Mm -hmm. And I finally tried, like I've talked to a lot of different broadcasters. Some of the guys are the most successful and have the best pipes. And they don't really think about their voice that much. Right. They just do it. Yeah. And I spent a couple of lessons with an opera singer from Cambridge just did a Google search, found, you know, somebody who moonlighted doing voice lessons and it did help me a lot. Yeah. And I started broadcasting Navy with some of the techniques that, that he taught me. And, and the other part of that too, is that um, I had also sent some, some, some uh, tapes or CDs at the time around to some people with some national radio networks. And one of them told me he thought I, I had a college football sound, but I didn't have an NFL sound. What's the difference? Really. I, 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 don't, I don't know. Good question. I don't know. Maybe Speaking of a better imitation of, you know, uh, a Homer <laughs> college football announcer from the SEC than, uh, you know, down the middle. And <laughs> yeah. the you got to You got to put on some twang and some, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, a little fumble or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I, I call football for, for a team that never passed. Maybe that was part of it too. They ran the triple option. Oh, God, that's worse. Than, that's worse. Than, tackle to the that's right. worse than calling baseball games. But speaking of opera singers, Zolak. Oh, that's all I, yeah, my voice lessons. Go ahead. That's so good. your first year in New England. Zolak probably gave us the greatest soundbite we've heard in New England, the unicorns and show ponies. When did you learn like to kind of like let him just go off and his ridiculous shit he wants to spew and kind of like reel him back in? Well, there's no reeling him back in. 
that was the answer to that question. Just let him go. You know, it, 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 it works. And I think in retrospect, too, guys, I think it helped me a lot. Nobody here really knew who I was. I'm following a legend. There's no way to replace Gil. There's no way to, if I had come in and tried, we tried to be Gil and Gino, we would have failed miserably, right? If we had a broadcast that was very similar where the play-by-play guy was just nuts and bolts, which I pretty much am, and the color analyst was you know, more subdued the way Gino was, people would say, you know, these guys, they're not Gil and Gino, and, and they're trying to sound like them, and, and it's not very good. Now people listen and they say, well, they're not Gil and Gino. They're not nearly as good, but they got a different style. Of I like you guys better. It's more exciting, and I like Zolak will rip the team whenever he yeah, has a Joe, chance you know, when they're bad. Like, Gil and Gino never did that. It was Zoe's all ha-ha, roo-roo. Yeah, Zoe's passionate. You know, he, he, he first of all, he sees the game like a quarterback, right? So, so from an analyst standpoint, he's very good at breaking down the X's and O's live, not yeah. on replay, the way that a TV analyst <laughs> right, yeah, hits to the head. He's been doing a lot of the stuff Tony Romo gets credit for since yeah. I started working with him. And then he brings the passion of someone who really, really loves the team, but also is honest. And you're right, and we'll, he'll, rip, he'll rip players. You know, he'll criticize. He criticized Tom Brady. If Tom Brady made a bad throw or poor decision, he'd say something like, I don't know what he's thinking there. Yeah. But the, 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 the thing I think with both of us is, you know, if I, and we, he, he jokes about it. His, his late father used to give him a piece of advice every game before the broadcast started. You know, don't step on Bob, don't step on Bob. And Zoe would, you know, yeah. talk about it, say it under his breath, don't step on Bob. And, you know, in, but I, I don't think that it, I don't think it would work well if he tried to hold back. And even for me, we compliment one another because I am pretty vanilla. I know that. And, and he brings the personality, the humor, the over-the-top reactions, right. like after the Ken Bell Tompkins sketch right. the broadcast. And I think it does, I think it appeals to a different audience maybe than in the past, maybe a larger yeah. audience, you could say, with young people that listen to the station now and, and the numbers, the 95 pulls in. It's kind of an extension of the station's success locally here in Boston. But it works. It's it's worked well for eight years, and hopefully now in a ninth. Yeah. And so just slugging beers and singing to the crowd. I mean, that just that just brings all the young kids in. Well, yeah, well that, that that's what helped. That is the amazing thing about it. That you know, this is all as far as I know, it's happening organically now. Maybe I don't know if there's anything that's that's involved before the games, but you know, this is all pre post game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're yeah. you know, the, the only spirits are just, you know, the good positive vibes that he brings into the booth <laughs> during the game. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll keep you it know, all on the board. We, that's we, fine. It's, that's, a, it's, a fa- it's a family environment in the booth. He's, his absolutely. Son is sitting next to him in the booth. Well, that's why, I mean, that's why it works because he's got that goofball mentality. But then when he talks football, it's like, oh, my, he knows what the, he knows what the hell he's talking about for sure. Yeah. And then, you know, you can bring us back down to, okay, here's what's actually happening. And, you know, here's Zoe's world. Here's the football game. And yeah, I mean, you know, I think that you guys have an immense success because of, of your, uh, you know, your partnership. And also you had a hell of a team to be calling for a few years there. And uh, so uh, we don't want to take you forever, but I, we, I do have to touch on, we do have to touch on the Brady and Bill thing. And we, you know, did you feel, and did you and Zoe feel like calling the game, you were a child of divorce there because every game it, it's all hovering over every game. Even if Brady's not in the stadium, Belichick's obviously there. You're looking at Cam Newton under center struggling, let's call it. And, uh, you know, and, and and the whole world is going, Jesus, you know, if they just paid him, Brady could have been there and maybe we can, you know, be doing 
better. So, I, you know, we're just curious to see your kind of standing on that and, and what it was like going through a year of, of that. You know, it's really like once you start calling a game for me, now I can't speak for Zoe on this, but for me, I, it never really entered my mind once we started calling the game because you're so focused on not screwing it up. Yeah. Honestly, that's the motivation for me to don't F this up. <laughs> and when the team is struggling, Sounds familiar. you know, the frustration last year too, I mean, it was such a strange year, honestly, guys. I, you know, for me, part of it, part of the approach to last year was, Get, get through the year, do the best that you can under the circumstances. There are no fans for the home games. We're calling the road games from Gillette off TVs. Such a strange experience. We're going in there at night for the game in Seattle, 3,000 miles away. We're calling a game surrounded by snow banks at Gillette while the Patriots are playing in Miami or in Southern California against the Rams in the Chargers. You know, and, and one of those games, they're blowing out the other team and the other game, they're getting blown out. And we didn't have a lot of offensive highlights. We didn't have, you know, a lot of games where you even felt like, even if the game was, was, was close where you really felt they were going to pull it out in the end, yeah. the way you always <laughs> did previously, regardless of the circumstances. And so I think for me, you know, that I never thought in those moments about the Brady Belichick dynamic, but of course you can't help but think about it between games. That's all we've right. heard about the last couple of years. And even, you know, the Tom's last season, I never really thought about the door opening and him yeah. walking out until until the, that, the night of the, the Titans game. There was a sense, too, like, is that season wound down? And it goes back to the Philadelphia game. There was a sense that, you know, you know it's been a good year. We were at that good game. Defense. <laughs> uh, you know, but you, you guys saw it. I mean, they, they, they really struggled offensively. Could score game. a touchdown. Julian Edmond had the only touchdown pass. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> we held hands in the stands and prayed Nick Folk would make the extra point. <laughs> <laughs> While we're getting French fries thrown at us. <laughs> Not in Philly, no. Well, the fans are kind to you, then. They're actually, <laughs> Just they're actually they're pretty, pretty nice. They're actually pretty good. Yeah. They're, 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 they're good sports fans. Good sports town. Um, oh, absolutely. But yeah, you know, so I just like, even like that season, after the Philadelphia game, there was a resignation. And Brady, of course, Brady got a lot of criticism locally on sports talk radio because of his demeanor. Deserved. You know, some of it was deserved, but I think also there was, you know, there was a resignation in, in his part. And, and, and I think you realize, you know, the margin for error for this team is so small. Right. They don't have, they, they don't have enough. Someone robbing the compound there, Bobby? They're coming after you now. (laughs) (laughs) They've locked in on the signal. Come and get me. Um, (laughs) Anyway, just the the point being that, like, it wasn't until, like, the the last game between the Pats and the Titans, and there was the sense by the time they played that game that this could be it. Yeah. You know, and I remember going down on the field when Brady would run out into the corner of the ends, and I never really cared, like, to capture that myself. I'd watch it from the booth and then I would take a lap around the field a little bit later. But that night I wanted to be down there just in case. And I took some pictures that I had never taken before of him coming into the corner, you know, the let's go on the end zone. And it turned out that that was the last time he did it for the Pats. Hmm. Oh, he'll be doing about five weeks. So you can see it again. I don't think they're going to have the Jay-Z racked up though. I would, I would imagine that the, that, that uh, song's no longer in the play. It might be sure. a little bit different. Yeah. Do you, yeah. do you, um, you know, I know focusing on not fucking things up. So, and that's a good, that's a good motto for anyone listening, anyone young listening, that should be all your motivation, but week four is a big mountain on that schedule. And, you know, you guys are going to be calling every single play with Brady in the building there. Some of us on this panel have deemed Brady dead to us. 
um, <laughs> after, <laughs> after leaving and uh, opening up some of his uh, personal views and social media things and of the like. Um, will that be a game where you feel some pressure? Will that be a game, maybe even more for Zoe, where uh, you'll have to uh, maybe reel yourselves in a little bit on, on the Brady stuff, or do you think you'll be able to play it straight? Yeah, I, you know, that's a great question. I don't know how, how, how it will be. I, I do know that I have thought a little bit about like what 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 do we say to open? That yeah, place? can you Gee, you know, you know you have can to you it. like the fans? Do you? Ex- I I expect an overwhelming amount of cheering. I expect the stadium to be roaring for him. A lot of and, Buccaneers jerseys in this and a couple scattered booze. But I have to imagine calling the game. How much you're still an employee of the you know you're calling a Patriots game, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. How much can you really um, gush over him? Gush, thank you, Bill. Gush over Tom Brady, especially when he's putting up sixty on on the uh, well, I don't on think the he's home. Put up sixty, um, <laughs> you know. But but regardless, I, yeah, I don't think you know. I don't think we'll gush over him. I think you have to certainly touch on. And you can't even you, know, you can't even get into it too deep because there's just so much that he accomplished here, right? You, right. you, you touch a little bit on the legacy, but then you move on to the game. And the one thing about our broadcast too, is we're not on the air that much when we're not calling the play by play. Right. You know, we, we, we have, we each have a spot on our pregame show. We open the broadcast, which is, you know, like a five minute segment at most. And then we come back and it's right into the kickoff. So there, we really don't have a lot of time unless the game gets out of hand toward the end to get into some of the stories that, you know, the, the pregame show or the, obviously the talk shows, are going to be dealing with for weeks ahead of that. I think the, I think that the state of the team is going to determine in large part, yeah, you know, what the mindset of the fans are and, and, and how we handle that moment. If the Patriots are going in and, and they're coming off, you know, a three and zero start or two and one start, people are encouraged. You know, maybe it's the young quarterback as opposed to Cam. Maybe it's Mac Jones. You know, maybe the mindset of everybody is different going into that game. Right. So that'll really determine it. But I have thought honestly about just the opening thoughts, you know, how, how to phrase it. That's one game. Cause it's probably going to be his last game here. Mm-hmm. Well, I shouldn't say, I, I say probably, I mean, with Brady, it's always tentative. Yeah. Right. <laughs> nah, this is a cliff. <laughs> Another eight years. Yeah, you know? so, um, so I have thought about that, but we'll, we'll see when that game comes. I, I think the one thing I'll, I'll, I will do is, is try to keep it in perspective. It's, it's a week four game. I know it sounds trite and you're going to hear that from yeah. players and coaches, but that's, that's what it is. No, nope. they just lose that game. I, you know, everyone expects them to lose the game. That's not the pressure, Bob. The pressure actually is on you because we will be tuning in. <laughs> it, it will be one of these moments where you'll have the ears of new England and Brady will take the field and it'll be, you know, like the masters and, you know, it'll be this hush moment. And, you know, what do they have to say? What do we have? Nope. To, what is the, what is the over, uh, what is the voiceover here narrative of Tom Brady coming back to Gillette? Well, that, the, it's here, a little here, pressure. Here's the, here's where I think he heed the words of somebody like Vin Scully, who I think is the, the greatest broadcaster of all time, at least, you know, the greatest baseball announcer of all time. There's nothing you can say in a moment like that that can convey what the crowd does. Yeah. You know, particularly yeah. after an exciting moment. Now in our case, there's a lot of screaming and shouting after an exciting moment for the past. But I think in that case, you, you try to lay out and, 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 you know, you mentioned Brady off the sideline or whatever. Here comes Tom Brady and the Buccaneers and you let the fans provide the reaction. And that's maybe the best commentary of all. You're going to slip up and say Patriots and Brady. I, 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 I'm already telling you right now. 
Who gets a who gets Zolek, a, Zolek, Zolek's just gonna be uh, <laughs> it's not gonna to be, be too inappropriate. Zone. He's gonna Rock be crying. He's gonna be crying. Oh yeah, <laughs> just bawling his Viagra. eyes out. <laughs> Especially you know if uh, I think we all understand uh, Zolek's uh, standing on um, Cam Newton as the quarterback, and less he was less than thrilled with Cam Newton's performance last year. Let's call it. Um, and I think listening to him on the radio. You know, open to now Cam and obviously Mac Jones in the quarterback competition. The news today, uh, Cam Newton going to miss five days because (laughs) of COVID protocols. Um, We just did a show before this. I had my opinions. They were louder than what I'm talking about. talking at this level right now. Um, But uh, I guess my question to you, Bob, is, is with this quarterback competition and being in camp now, has there been a different vibe, a feeling around the team? Um, do you think that this really hurts Cam Newton or are you expecting to be calling game one with him under center? I've, I've been in the mindset, and I'm probably in the minority here, where I, I, I do believe that there's been a competition and that the competition isn't over. Um, that, you know, I think as much as Bill and Josh have said that Cam's our starter for now, as they reiterated uh, each in the last couple of days, Josh yesterday, Bill today, uh, they've also made it clear that, you know, you have to reestablish yourself, et cetera. And as Bill said today, you know, there really are two ways you can lose your position, your standing. One is to, you know, to, to be outplayed in essence, and the other is to be unavailable. And obviously, you know, when we heard those words, we didn't know that Cam was unavailable until we went out to practice today and didn't see him out there. <laughs> well, we, I talked about this Jeez. with Rich a couple of weeks ago about this, this, this possible scenario. And I think it's one that not only we're going through right now with this team, but we may go through again and again and again uh, right. because of the protocols and league. I mean, it, it's clear it's, it's personal choice as, as players have stated, but along with that choice, you know what the NFL protocols are and, and you choose either to get vaccinated or not to get vaccinated and deal with all of the different restrictions that are in place as an unvaccinated player and in particular, in the quarterback position, you know, that puts you at risk of being not only unavailable, but really unaccountable to your teammates. So I, I think that this could be a, a pretty big development. And I think Matt Jones today, and I know a lot of the reports cite the statistics, I thought today was a positive step for him, all things considered, because, number one, he was going against ones with ones. The Patriots defense, I thought, was better today than any of the defenses they've seen, even Washington <laughs> in the first preseason uh-huh. game, or, uh, you know, the Eagles, certainly with all their backups the other night. And the thing he shows is that he continues to learn. I mean, he's running two-minute offense, and he's got control. He's getting them organized at the line of scrimmage. He, he came back from, you know, a difficult start today and finished strong. And you see the way that the team responds to him. Now, when people ask about the vibe of the team or your sense from the team it's harder to tell these days because of COVID we don't have the personal interaction with the players it's really through zoom only but right. there's the sense that I think guys really respond well to him we've heard a number of players you know they talk, they talk about his swag and and you can yeah, see, yeah. you know players on the field I mean him <laughs> relating to guys he's gotten after some of the veterans including Kendrick Bourne recently but then the, you know they're back on the same page immediately after that so I think he's earned their respect I think he's you know accelerated his, his progress far beyond a typical rookie for the Patriots. Yep. Obviously different circumstances when the, than when Jimmy or Jacoby or even Jarek came in behind Tom, 
but I think in, in Jones's case, you know, you guys watched him in two preseason games. You know, this is what we've seen from the start this year where everything they've thrown at him, even when he's had some, some tough moments, he's bounced back and he's, he's been able to answer everything they've asked of him thus far. I don't know if oh, I yeah. answered your question, but oh. you know, so, I, I kind of, feel, well, I feel that Cam is jeopardized. I, I do feel that in, in, in a lot of ways, Cam is jeopardizing his position by the decision he made and now the circumstances this week. You just undermined everything I said earlier. <laughs> <laughs> but again, hey, Bill, I said I'm, I'm probably in the minority among the people that are around the team, uh-uh. and I'm probably which I'm probably wrong about it. But these guys aren't. They're big Mac guys. They want Mac. I don't want Cam to start. I'd rather go Mac. I just expect Cam to start. But yeah. so basically, what you're saying, Mac is the guy that sh- could lead this team to the playoffs, and he's the guy that should be starting. Yeah. I think I, I, you know, I'll take that as a yes. <laughs> Blank for yes. Bob, is this going to make hot think, takes on Felger and Maz? Or? Been better, but I do think that Mag is, I, I think Cam's been better. I don't want to take anything away from him. I did th- I, was, I thought Cam, you know, would come back. I thought it was a real possibility of him coming back this year. Um, you know, I, 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 I like him for the most part. You know, I mean, I, I have no reason to dislike him. I really, you know, think he's, he's handled things great in a, in, in a lot of different ways and tough circumstances here. Uh, I, 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 I think you guys get a sense of where I, where I'm coming from and how I feel about the vaccination issue with him, but yeah. overall, you know, I, I, I want him to do, well. I think the best case scenario for Patriots fans is for both of them to play great. And when the transition occurs, that it, that it occurs, you know, naturally, as opposed to having to play Mac week one against Miami, but I don't know that that's necessarily the way it's going to shape up. I think that, you know, Mac could earn the job. And yeah. Or, or camp could lose it. If he keeps missing practicing, and that's what we all hope for. So, (laughs) well, no, I think I think actually, Bill, uh, Bob, you said it right, and people just don't articulate it correctly. As as fans, I I, we have nothing against Cam Newton. We just watched him for enough time last year to not have confidence that he can produce and 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 win. So that's why we lean towards Mac because there's an unknown, and hopefully he can. And we don't expect Cam too. If he does, great fantastic let max sit on the bench and learn and we'll you know he's the future no problem cam newton go win an mvp let's win a super bowl we're here for the laundry but it's not the expectation right it's not and so missing a week of camp when you're in a quarterback battle is tough going i think that idea particularly you know he's gonna miss the first day of the joint practices with the giants yeah and i think this is this is a big week it's also it blunts the momentum that he had coming out of the game the other night against the eagles and i think the thing about mac is mac has shown in both preseason games that he can operate in the hurry up offense so they can play at different, a different pace. Now he did make a mistake late in the second quarter, but boy, today in practice, they worked on it and he didn't check it down. Right. In a situation where he's now going to cost the team a lot of time off the clock and he's going to have to clock it on third down and, and, and they're going to have to punt it on fourth down the way they did in Philadelphia. So I, I, again, I think, you know, he's somebody who's got a real good grasp of that situation for such a young quarterback. And the other part of it for me is, you know, when they get into games, they're not going to, they're not going to face the Eagles playing a soft, playing a soft zone with their backups. Right. They're going to be playing against teams. that are probably going to load the box again with eight man fronts. And Cam is the better runner. And this is a team that will lean heavy on the run game. And, and while Cam is certainly going to be better and he's going to have better pieces around him than the last year. I don't know if it's going to be good enough for this team to ultimately, you know, be where they want to be where we expect them to be. And that's, you know, in playoff contention and ultimately in the playoffs. 
Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, we've taken your, a lot of your time, Bob, uh, two last questions on the team this year. Um, but the first one is, do you expect Cam to play in the game on Sunday? I do. I, I think if he's ready to go, if he's ready to go. On Chalk that one down, boys. Thank you. <laughs> I think you heard it from this expert. Chalk it down. I, I do. I, I think if he's back by Thursday. Now, if he's not back by Thursday and he doesn't practice against the Jets, if there's another hiccup here or yeah. a delay, you know, that could certainly change things. But I would expect him to play. I think that, the, you know, I think a lot of it would be contingent on the number of snaps they get in the joint practices. But if he's not getting a high volume on Wednesday because he's not practicing and then he's coming back on Thursday, I'm not so sure, you know, they're yeah. going to fully immerse him in that practice. So I think that the only reason not to play in that third game is because you played so much in the joint practices. That's generally been Bill's approach mm. in the past when they've had the joint practices. If, if Tom played a lot, like the two days of joints, then maybe he didn't play in the game. I think in this case, too, you've got two weeks after the game before the season opener. Yeah. So Cam's not going to have as many snaps as they probably anticipated. They probably planned, you know, coming out of the Eagles game, looking ahead to the week you know, before they got this news that he was unavailable for the next five days. Sure. Uh, what's the other uh, position battle you've been watching at training camp? Obviously, quarterback's the big story out of camp, but what's the other, like, what's your eye been catching? Like, who's what's the big position battle? Well, I think, you know, the, the interesting thing to me is how many running backs they keep, you know, and that, mm. that's, a, that's a good problem to have because they have so many good running backs that they're loaded there. Uh, offensive tackle, it's, it's, it's unsexy, like the backup offensive tackle, but this team has needed reserve linemen to play a lot of snaps in recent years. And, you know, I thought Justin Haran played pretty well last year, but he's had a tough go of it thus far in training camp and in the preseason games. Yadni Kajust has been impressive. The third round pick from West Virginia hasn't played mm -hmm. at all. stay on the field. It's um, a big thing. You know, Cunningham is a guy that, you know, they've had on the roster for a while. So I think that's, that's a concern. I think the wide receiver spot outside of the top three, yeah. how many receivers do they keep? You know, I'm, you know, Nikhil situation obviously is complicated. Christian Wilkerson's had a nice, nice run at times, but he's also been inconsistent catching the ball. That's a position I've thought for a while. Maybe they have to go outside the organization at some point mm. to bring in a fourth receiver. Same thing in the secondary. I think that, you know, with no Gilmore and, and with the injuries to miles for miles, Brian, Jonathan Jones, it exposed them a little bit in the joint practices against the Eagles at the quarterback position. They Jason McCourty played a lot of snaps for this team the last few years, kind of a versatile piece, mostly corner, some safety. And I think that, you know, that's, that's an area that, that, that bears watching. And certainly the kicking situation, Nordine was a star uh, in the Washington <laughs> game. Uh, he was, you know, obviously he was one of the uh, few thumbs down pro players uh, in yeah. the Philadelphia game, a really tough, tough goal, it, which was kind of his career. Michigan. Yeah, that's the unfortunate thing, right, Bob? Like that—that that has carried on from him from Michigan. If it was just one of these games, and you say, "Oh, you know," but you have to kind of look at his history and go, "Ooh, this might be a thing." Yeah, and focus back at practice today, coming off an injury issue, and he was a little bit up and down. He's been very reliable for the most part for the Pats the last two years. Missed his first two field goals last year, and then made twenty-six in a row. But yeah. you know, that's an area that you know. Again, I think that that game on Sunday night, or at least the practices the next couple of days may determine, you know, whether they make a change there with Quinn or they look outside the organization. The giants have a kicker who's been terrific Santoso <laughs> thus far in the preseason, and he's not going to make their team. Graham Gano is going to be their kicker. They're looking to trade him. So Ooh. who knows in the joint practices, if, if, you know, if, if Quinn 
continues this roller coaster ride, and Nick is just isn't at full strength. Going you could season. and you could slide Nardone. I mean Nordine right onto the um, practice squad too, right? I don't think I anyone's going to so. pick him up. Yeah, yeah, I would think so. And I think that's you know ideally for him. A lot of kickers don't come out of the college ranks and, and ultimately succeed you know right away. The Justin yeah. Tucker's got like yeah. stretch, you know, his first year. Uh, Vinatieri had to go to Europe. You know, so the, you know it's great the greatest kicker of all time. So a lot of these guys, you know, do struggle for a little while and they bounce around a little bit before they finally, uh, yeah, finally find their way. Footing, well, you know? we might have we might have uh, broken a little bit of news there with the Giants kicker. We'll keep an eye on him. Uh, per Bob Sosi, could <laughs> be might, the they new. Might, they might have, they the made, a tra- they made a trade with Cleveland already. They just played the Browns and they practiced with the Browns and I guess Cleveland put their kicker on IR today. So oh, I'm just okay, throwing well, that up. That's just a complete. We'll keep an eye on it. Yeah. No, I, you know, I, I just as from outsiders watching it, you know, I think that's right. We were curious about Nikhil Harry and what they're going to do in the secondary. And, uh, you know, Bill Belichick's never one to be wary about making moves, especially it seems like um, late in his career. So um, should be interesting. Bob, thank you so much for, uh, yeah, for joining you. us. This has it's been great uh, time. Great time. Uh, an awesome time talking football. And we'll, we'll look forward to the games this year. Um, go Pats. Go Pats. You guys are musicians. Just no, not these guys. Okay. No. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I've, I've played a little. I, I'm actually in D.C. Um, been here for about 10 years and had a little band in D.C. We played some rock and roll. Uh, you know what? Uh, I noticed the 301 area code. What's, what's the band's name? If I'm, uh, when I'm back at Buffalo there. 40. Buffalo 40. Yeah. Right. We're on Spotify. Give it a, give it a listen. I'm going to give you guys a try. Yeah, I appreciate it. That's oh. all, and actually, we should give uh, the Gridiron and Beyond a try. Uh, I've been listening to a couple episodes of that. You know what? It's it's, it's actually going to be on hiatus for a while. Uh, we're okay. going to we're going to shut it down. I think during the season, and then pick it up again after the season. So nice. Well, yeah, it's been a fun listen. Archives are still there on ninety eight five thesportshub.com. They're always around. Okay, well, we'll we're swapping some uh, creative juices here. That's good. <laughs> awesome guys. <laughs> All right, Bob. Thanks so much. Yeah, we'll be looking forward to it. Appreciate the time. Hey guys, my pleasure. Thanks. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Bob. Bye, bye guys. Take care. You too. You too. All right, guys, I'm out. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. See ya. Oh, God, he was one of those awkward goodbye guys. And No, that's on me. I, I, <laughs> I, it takes four clicks to get someone out of Zoom, and like I always say bye before setting it up. I've, been, I've successfully done it once, and it was with Amanda Casey, and she bounced before I could actually do it. <laughs> yeah, that was like her. In like 0.6 seconds. <laughs> All right, guys, bye. The I'm, one attractive woman we have on this show, and she got out of there. In, uh, yeah, we had a, a couple uh, random yeah, that's epic nights and no, no offense to, uh, to the rest of the women we've interviewed. There have been a uh, couple. Calls. Oh, yeah, wonderful, wonderful women. Uh, also attractive. That was just a joke. Uh, but the hottest one of all was Hot Take Bob Sosi. That was uh, that was fun. Rambling, was fun. rambling Rob over there. We I knew that he. I mean, I've listened to a lot of inter- interviews. Obviously, he's on the radio. We knew. I knew he was going to be long winded. We got through. I don't know a third of our questions, if that. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. He what's he on Felger and Maz? They give him like ten minutes on a Friday because I think they he gets know to he one just... question. Felger always gives him shit. He's like, Bob, I got I got to one question. <laughs> but it, the point, but we went through like I had those segments of questions. He answered three of them through one. So like he's thorough. Yeah. He's obviously oh, yeah. he's good at what he does. He calls games the New England Patriots. He's he's hitting on all the all the hot you know, topics before we can ask him. But I knew I knew it was going that way from from the jump.
old uh, old Bobby. Hey, I, anyone who says they don't like Bob Sussie, I don't know what's wrong with you. People like that are Losers. just like generally kind of nice in their heart. Like probably don't know how to be mean. Yeah, he's a good dude. Hard, hard not to dude. like. He's very passionate about his job too, which is great. Yeah, extremely passionate. The motivation of not fucking up is the strongest motivation that you can have. <laughs> Especially when you got Zoe next to you. Please yeah. God, don't fuck up. And then you look to your right and you got that guy. It's like, oh, fuck. It's just, you don't Steve need to Austin, fuck up next Steve to Austin, him. Steve like two mil of lights in his throat while uh, Kendrick Tompkins <laughs> ripping butts. <laughs> <laughs>